Welcome to Calling Corporates, a podcast about bringing finance and tech together. I'm Alice Ramsey and I'm here to call up leaders in finance and get the inside story on their best practices so that your organisation can get the best out of tech. In this episode, I talk with Buzz Browns, SVP of Corporate Control at KLM Royal Dutch Airlines. And Buzz tells us all about the finance transformation at KLM. But if you would ask me now, would you do it again tomorrow with us for the same tool, for all the struggles that we've had? Yes, I would do it exactly. Maybe I thought we would do things differently, but I would select the same tool and I would start the same project. Buzz, can you tell us in your own words what your role is about? Well, in my own words, I'm, I'm not going to, uh, let's say, describe an org chart, but I think if you, if, if I would have to describe it in my own work is, um, in my own words, is we would uh, coordinate all financial flows in KLM. That yeah. sounds a bit too technical as well. So if, if you drill down on that, I think we, ad- in short, we advise the board, uh, we challenge the business, um, we consolidate figures, um, and we report internally and externally. We analyze, uh, but last but not least, we also try to develop finance talents to do all that as well, and it's good enough. So if people not from finance uh, outside would probably recognize that. Um, and I'm trying, in my role, I'm trying to coordinate all that stuff. Uh, so it's a department of, uh, in total, 120, 130 people. If you exclude the accounting house or the shared service center, it's about 75 or 80 professionals uh, in corporate control. And total finance KLM is uh, roughly 400. Heavens, that's an incredibly broad portfolio of responsibilities. What's the part of your role that energizes you the most? There's a, there's a few, because I, I, um, I think advise the CFO and board or have, at least have a, have a say or have a seat on the table and be, be a respected business partner to them, uh, to have the feeling that your opinion matters, and that your view or your can also be a different opinion. Uh, I feel that if I have a different opinion, it's respected and appreciated, so that, that gives me a lot of energy to be myself. A lot of energy also get from developing talents. I'm very much um, involved in attracting people and giving them opportunities and seeing them grow. Um, we'll probably come to that, but I think through the crisis, how we weathered it as finance is because of that, because young talents stood up and you know they took their chance on scenario planning and on modeling and on financial flows and, and, and storytelling. Uh, it's not all done by me. I think 95% is not done by me, uh, so I coordinate. But the, the hard work was done by young people, and I get a lot of energy by by having faith in them and I don't know, nourishing them or how do you call it. Uh, so they grow and they they make steps in their career. So it works. Um, uh, and I think a lot of energy I also get from learning something new every day, um, which probably think that a lot of my work is repetitive, but it's not. I think maybe 10, 20% repetitive. The rest every day, every file, even throughout this crisis has been new. And uh, as long as I learn something every day, it gives me a lot of energy as well. 
KLM as a company certainly needs no introduction, but what listeners may not know is about KLM's journey towards becoming a high-performance organisation. Can you tell us more about what that journey has been? Let's say go back to 2015 when we um, started on a programme that we call Perform 2020. Yeah. One element in that was a high-performance organization, not specifically for finance itself, but for total KLM. And a high-performance organization for finance, very much related to uh, defining standard rules in finance. We were very much scattered. I think we had hundreds of job profiles. And at the end, finance and KLM is probably the same as another airline. And it's probably also very much the same as in a big corporate. And you need business controllers, business analysts, you need financial accountants. So we went back to the to nine finance roles across all businesses. So a business controller in engineering and maintenance profile is the same as for cargo. Yes, the content of the work might be a bit different, right? cargo versus engineering maintenance, but the role of the controller is the same. It's the business partner, the, the value creator, the challenger of the business. So we defined nine roles. And at the same time, I think a key element in our high-performance organization was uh, repetitive work or, or very labor-intensive work, we we outsourced to shared service center. We took it away from the controllers. Mm-hmm. Second element is an enforcement of the centers of expertise, like tax, treasury, audit, uh, and and centralize those more and, and recognize them, put them in their, their strength. Um, and then technology came around the corner to, uh, to enable the business controller become that business partner. So... Business controllers before high-performance organizations were very much involved in data gathering, data correcting, data collection, making reports, changing the reports, and then it's Friday afternoon, 5 o'clock. And what we want is for them not to do that anymore, but to be a business partner three, four days a week and spend a Friday on developing themselves. That's quite a big journey, but for me, that's the dot on the horizon for a high-performance organization. We're not there yet, so you could say, well, you've spent five years, what did you do? So we've done a lot, uh, and we have to realize that even the, the um, OneStream project has been around for, it's come with some ups and downs, but it's been around for a while, and Cosper as well. Um, but that project is an enabler for that organization. So, so to take away all the labor, uh, sort of elaborative Excel work, uh, upload, download, different formatting, find the bugs and, and, and reporting, take that away and put down an enterprise performance management system that puts standard processes throughout the whole finance organization in KLM uh, is, the, is the main target. It's not an easy one. It's, it's much more than switching on a tool, but we'll probably come back to that. But that's the technology element to enable the high-performance organization. There's some other technology elements as well, it's like RPA, data analytics, and that's all what we started uh, uh, as a foundation for high-performance organization. At the same time, a couple of years later, I think it was 2018 of 19, we, we realized that, as I just said, that switching on the technology is, is it's not about that. So we started a what we call first-class finance transformation program. Uh, it's more of a, it's a broader program than only tech. It has six pillars. And it's for finance specifically, because we figured out high performance organization is one thing, but now we have to make a step in transforming uh, on six areas. 
Sounds very positive. Can you tell us more about that? The six areas are on performance management, which is the role of the business controller, organization, how are we organized, working as a team, the third one. Then there's talent management, uh, fundamentals right, always key for finance people, and data and tech. And belong, beneath those six pillars, there's projects and chapters, and, and we keep track of it, and we have our way, uh, as finance people love, uh, on KPI tracking, how we proceed on that. Uh, and, of course, uh, one stream is one of the chapters in the data and tech uh, uh, track of the six. So first-class finance is the transformation program that enables us also to become a high-performance organization. Thank you so much for explaining the context of this transformation. Where are you at in the OneStream journey now? It's not been a walk in the park. So uh, we, uh, when I came into this position in 18, we had selected a tool um, from a tender. And my, I think my successor, and there's a few key people in finance uh, that, that had a vision and, and worked on it as well, uh, made the right choice. Uh, for having uh, OneStream uh, and Satrian as a partner on that. Uh, when I entered, we were working on the blueprint. So that's in 18, 2018, the blueprint of how the processes should work uh, on budgeting, forecasting, uh, people planning, uh, etc. Um, then we, uh, we started developing, um, ran into some resource issues. It's very hard to find IT and... and, and uh, information management, like uh, interface people, uh, data architect. Mm -hmm. uh, but we, I think we survived. Uh, corona didn't help because we were kind of, well, uh, we had to stop part of it. People couldn't travel anymore. We had people in India working on it and um, it's not that easy. We are now, we went live in March this year with the first module. So the planning shifted a bit. Um, I think in-flight services was live in March this year. We have just released fuel, and we're about to release flight operations, which is the uh, cockpit division. Um, and then next year, we have quite a big number of releases on ground services, uh, KLM City Hopper, uh, and stuff like CapEx, uh, I think cash flow planning as well. Um, and the planning runs, and so on, and cargo is released, and at the end, it's, I think, engineering and maintenance. Uh, so we are live, as you could say. Uh, we, we are working with it. Um, and uh, by the end of this year, we should have three key modules live, which is later than planned, but, um, but still. Same time, it's important to mention that route profitability is an important element for us as well as an airline. Um, so through all these modules, our route profitability, the way we look at our network, is also upgraded. So we, we phase out the old system, and we, we've put route profitability into one stream and that is making it a bit complex as well. Yes, it certainly sounds like an extremely complex shift that that you're in the process of making. You mentioned earlier that you've partnered with Satrian for parts of this process. Can you tell us a bit more about how you've worked with them and how you've experienced working with them? Yeah, we, the, they were our partner from the first day. Um, they played a very strong role in crafting that design, the global design, uh, but also to define our ambition for the, for the whole project. Um, took the lead there because we were completely new to enterprise performance management and mm -hmm. 
I think we were also very much hooked to uh, uh, tailor-made systems and uh, addicted to designing our specific tools and systems. So we had to move away from that, from a more standard way of looking at processes. Uh, that's where they helped us, kind of guardian of that. Uh, they have a lot of know-how in financial processes in general. So we were uh, very much, I think to some extent, we still are very much a P&L company, current operating income uh, focused. And now, happily, uh, I would say, also because of the crisis helped us, we became much more a cash flow focused <laughs> company. That, especially also Cosper has helped a lot in cash flow thinking, um, free cash flow and bringing it into the minds of the business controller. Um, we didn't hold and we don't hold the controllers accountable for cash flow because much more for operating income. So we have to move away from that to become more of a cash flow company. That's where Satrian played a key role. And that's also, the, I think, the, the, the reason why we select them to perform these workshops uh, end of this year, early next year on cash flow forecasting. Um, for all business controllers. Um, the other element that they are very strong is in quality assurance on the project. Uh, keep the eye on the ball. Uh, make sure you document the stuff that you do. Um, um, make sure nothing is forgotten from the global design. Don't cut any corners. Yeah, I think the, the and, and their role is now more in advising and more moving to the background. But in the first phase, especially, they were very prominent in uh, in the first uh, and also in the in, I have to say in the COVID crisis, they were quite flexible in helping us out in resources and and keep the pro project going and keep that eye on the ball. Um, same, by the way, with OneStream as a company. So, yeah. So it sounds like you've had excellent partners through what has been a pretty tough time. It's it's not a technology project by itself because then you can you hire a consultant and somebody who implements the tool. Yeah. Uh, I think the added value of Satrian was also to have that change. Uh, it's it's much more a change project to 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 move away from standard processes or, or to move away from tailor-made processes and go to standard processes on people planning and not have a different people planning process per division but look for standardization on rate of exchange calculations and have that debate with controllers and convince them bring them back to the global design why are we doing this what are our corporates doing uh, it's not unique for klm that that discussion uh, takes a lot of energy but they did a very good job there it sounds like a very positive project for the business controllers in your team. You've eradicated a whole lot of the hat work that takes a lot of time and energy um, and freed up a whole lot of space and added responsibilities. Have you noticed that your team is now able to focus on different, more strategic projects as a result of this transformation? Well, to be honest, not yet, because we, we were hoping to be further down the road with the project than we are. Um, I think we have quite a bit of, well, we have a world to win on that change, because you have to imagine that business control as well, for a long time, they, they have been in that modus of, of doing their job in that way. Now you have a tool that makes life easier. So it, it, it's, it feels a bit of uncharted territory for, for some of them as well to let go of the old stuff, let yeah. go of your Excel sheets and become yeah. more of that business partner. That's the yeah. key part of the project, of the phase that we're in right now. Um, 
So the discussions I have with the business is, they say, where is my tool? Because we were promised uh, in a high, high performance organization, we work with less people, workload is higher, where is my tool? And my answer is always, I can switch on the tool tomorrow, but that doesn't make any difference. If you use the tool, but you keep on using Excel, you up and download, and what is, where is the change element? What are you going to do differently? And if I see that, that's the most energizing, we spoke about energy earlier, the most energizing moment where we see people work differently and embracing it and see what it can do. The other element is still, it's not a corporate control project. It's not something that I push through that I per se want. It's something that other people should want as well, or at least see the added value of. It's a push and pull. Basically, so that's the, those are the, the challenges that we still have. Besides the, the tech part of switching on the modules. Uh. So zooming back out again, the first part of this project launch in March. So people will be knowing about it. Is it gaining momentum around the place? Well, the the not yet because we've just opened the office this week. No, I think that's the, the that's the whole what hampered me the most in the whole crisis is that. Uh, it, the project became a bit more isolated on people working on a few modules. Before the crisis, we were really communicating a lot, getting people together, uh, where are we planning, uh, having workshops. That had all, you know, it, it slowed down a bit, but now, now we have to find that vibe again. I'm sure with you at the helm, the good vibe will be back again in no time. Now, Buzz, before we wrap up, I like to ask guests if they have any pearls of wisdom to share about the journey. So tell me, are there any gems that, uh, that you can share with others either in such a process or looking to embark on a similar transformation? I think that what helps the most is if in the organisation, for example, in finance, you find a way to um, to uh, gather the desire of people for the, for a change. So once you feel that there's a lot of frustration about how people work because it's elaborative, high workload, etc., you need a sense of that for for the buy-in. So then to sit down with people and say, okay, and how can we solve that? That's the most important point on on to bring it forward. Um, I don't think in selecting a tool you need a lot of, I don't know, uh, reach out because that's, you know, it's quite a, a, a it's more of a clinical process. But um, the, the most important element or the seed that you can plant is on on listening to people what their struggles are in their work. And for finance, we defined it's along those processes of planning, of budgeting. Uh, forecasting, scenario planning, we hardly do. We do that in corporate, but I think more businesses should do it uh, on people planning. Um, and because when people notice that or they, they give you that signal, it's also the message that they give that they want to change. Um, so when they don't give that signal and keep on having the high workload, they have an identity with that job. They come to the office, they work a lot but they feel that they exist because my workload is high, so I do something that adds value. But you need to pick out the people that really give you the signal. I mean, the workload is not manageable anymore. We're doing too much elaborative work. It's too much hassle in gathering, collecting. I'm not, I'm not getting the desire or the role or the aspirations that I want. Those are the believers, and you pick them out of the, of the 
uh, of the of the whole population that makes your project flourish because then you have people that want to change. Yes, because they're the people who don't want to just be occupied with busy work. They want the genuine change. I've had a, I've had a couple of projects, and when we when when I was let's say triggering the change and saying, okay, I'm I'm initiating that we're going to look at a certain process uh, to see how we can change it. And the first question some people ask is, why, why, why would we do that? We don't have time for such a project. Mm-hmm. But you have to go through some, I don't know, phase or maybe uh, before you can enter the, the, the better uh, way of working. Um, so the, the, that, that is very much related to resistance. Uh, if I can show you a way of doing it easier, doing the same thing, still have your job, be highly respected, but... but become more of a business partner and do different types of skills that originally you are better in or that are more attached to your job. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and people that by themselves come to you with that, that's the, the best. Uh, uh, it's also the signal that you do, should do something, so it gives you a responsibility. Um, but at the end, when you have that starting point, the second lesson is hold on to it because you will get a lot of resistance but once you have the believers, you need to hold on tight that, you know, there's going to be storms, uh, it's going to be a bumpy ride, but you've selected the right tool, did a proper job, took the proper time for it, don't rush it. But once you have the, selected the proper tool, and for us that's the one stream uh, tool, uh, go for it and hold on to it. And you'll get resistance and people will question your budget and you will, but you know from the start why you're doing it. And you also know that you've picked the right tool. So it's about playing the long game and weathering the peaks and troughs. We had struggles with project leaders. They, I would say they came and they went um, mm. for all different kinds of reasons. But it's not a reason to stop stuff. You, 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 maybe you look a bit longer, but find the right one. Um, uh, it's also the tone at the top. For myself, I've been, I think, a strong advocate of this project. Uh, even if people in the project team were kind of maybe uh, uh, not so motivated anymore, then it's when you have to step up as a leader and show that you still go for it and keep on continuing because there will be times, and we had that when the first release is there. Um, I think the other element is that we've we've lacked a bit in this crisis communication. Keep on cheering your moments and uh, keep on communicating what you're doing. And in the crisis, we went a little bit back into our own offices and started programming and you know uh, went at home and uh, so we should go out more and communicate about the project and things that we do even if, even if there's no release we do a lot of stuff um, so that's, that those are the three items that I would learn from it um, but if you would ask me now would you do it again tomorrow with us for the same tool of all the struggles that we have had yes I would do it exactly maybe I thought we would do things differently but I would select the same tool and I would start the same project. That is a wonderful high to end the interview on, Buzz. Thank you so much for your time and energy and your fantastic insights. Thanks for listening. I hope we've left you informed and inspired. If you're interested in talking with Satrian about how your organisation can get the best out of tech, visit satrian.com. And I'm looking forward to revealing more insights in the next episode. So make sure to subscribe to Calling Corporates on your favourite podcast channel.